And we're back. And we're back, baby, from the block to the boardroom. Another episode. Episode 17. Trev, Trev, what's going on, good Dr. brother? Dr. J, it's been a while, man, all is well. All it is, is well. it is. It's been, a, it's been a good long time. You know, I don't want the people to get it confused. You know, I know we haven't recorded in a while, but we've still been checking in with each other still, you know, keeping in contact, seeing each other. But uh, yeah, man, summertime's here. Let's start pumping out these episodes, bro. We out here. We got to get back to it. Get back on the schedule. Get back to it, man. But how you feeling? Let's let the people know, too. I know it's been a while. I'm aware, but how are you feeling? How's your mental health right now? Uh, mental health-wise, I'm doing okay, doing decent. It's just, it's been a lot going on. Yeah. Uh, I know we haven't recorded in a couple episodes, but I was away practically out the country for two weeks. First in Columbia, then in Curacao. Um I had the death of an aunt, one of my elders in my family. Condolences. So I came home to that, uh, which was a lot to deal with. And um, just been busy in the community working, uh, collaborating with organizations, running vaccine clinics with my chapter. Uh, How's that been position. going? Uh, Since the been, last time, you know, when we even spoke about vaccine rollouts, like you guys have been doing vaccine clinics all throughout the boroughs. How do you feel like the turnout uh, and the reception has been for that? Uh, it's been decent. It can be better, but I understand just with the way certain things unfolded uh, with the government and with the FDA poison Johnson and Johnson and that ruin and all vaccines. And so it's been it could be better, but it's still going good. Right, uh, it's still right. a little better than what I expected it to be. So that that's that's been going good. We're also doing a lot of just community engagement and talking. I'm probably talking about vaccine, black community equity, at least once to twice a week on top of like just a normal job. So it's been a lot. Vacation allowed me to have a much needed pause and unplug, which is which has been great, you know, mental health wise, checking in wise, doing good. Um, so that uh going on vacation again soon. You know, going this time, man. I'm going to Memphis this weekend. Oh, right, right, so, right. The family you did tell me. Okay. Yeah, honor my father. I thought it was another place. tropical trip. I thought he was gonna say another, you know, beach location because you had <laughs> all the henna cure. So I was like, man. No, 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 but yeah, but I mean, I I got Memphis on the schedule. Then later on, um, hitting and trying to get to Puerto Rico, Atlanta, Miami, and I think I want to hit LA as well this gotcha. summer or okay. Oakland. Well, Oakland and LA. I got an aunt in Oakland. I love. Oh yeah, nice. Um, business partner in LA. I want to meet up and get up with her and just reconnect. So I want to do some traveling because the fall is gonna be busy again. Right. But. What's going on with you, brother? How you Dope, feeling? Dope, bro. Dope. Well, I, I can't relate. I mean, you know, I did go home. I was in Jamaica for uh, April. Um, was in Kingston. Then uh, one of my good friends, I was a groomsman in his uh, wedding. Um, bro, actually from LZ, Cash Wayne. Uh, dope, dope wedding. Really dope wedding. And it's funny because it was on pause for a year due to the pandemic. So glad we actually got to do it and did it up. It was a great time. Um, soaking the, the the nice weather and everything. It was good vibes, bro. Um been working, still working from home. Office is still closed. Probably uh, end of the year is when we'll revisit and see what the, what the plan is. But still working from home, and I've been leveraging that time to uh, begin start studying for a new certification, project management professional (PMP). Um, good skill set uh, shows the mastery and your ability to oversee projects uh, from beginning to end, end to end, and um, you could really just segue that into so many different lanes afterwards. So. Good career growth um, certificate to have on the resume. Um, even though I feel like I've already developed the skills for those things. When you have that cert certificate, it's just like, oh, this person's fully proficient in these type of processes. So, yeah, using the um, work from home time to, to do that and not taking three naps a day, which sometimes <laughs> I do when <laughs> I got all this free time if I don't have a project going on or something. Um, 
And yeah, man, I mean, one of, one of the key things uh, of why we're even going to have this episode is the some documentaries I saw two weeks ago with the 100th anniversary of uh, the Tulsa massacre. Mm-hmm. What happened in Greenwood, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, we have Juneteenth coming up this weekend. Absolutely. And it's funny because I was talking to a friend about Juneteenth. And this is like now, I think it, it kind of really started last year, right? But now here, 2021, now we're seeing this whole shift of where now we as black people in America, Juneteenth is like legit now a holiday. Yes. Like I've even had people reach out to me like, yo, what's the move for Juneteenth? The most like, <laughs> and we've always known about Juneteenth, you know, like history wise, but like, like we legit embrace that and celebrate that now. Like it's heralded um, and, and placed um, up there for us with other important holidays. And I, I just think that's really dope. So, um, you know, it's, you know, it's wild. Uh, a lot of people like first, my dean told me, she's like, you know, the vice presidents wanted to know if we could do an open house. And she's like, yeah, it's on Saturday. I was like, no, don't ask no black person to do anything on Juneteenth. Right, We're right. not doing it, period. Right. So they was like, all right. And she's like, you know what? You are right. It should be a recognized holiday. New York recognizes it as a holiday. Absolutely. So I was like, cool, great. But then I'm going to be in Memphis. And right. normally, like, I would look for to do something here. Right. Um, I looked up and Memphis got a whole park. I'm about to say, I'm sure. Health Science I'm park, sure, so, yeah. So we're going to turn up in Memphis. Yeah. And it's good because I'm going to have my daughter. So she'll right. be able to see the celebration. I'm sure it'd, it'd be planted in the back of her mind when she gets older. Um, one thing I don't want to do is, because I saw a lot of like, yo, we're going to have a ride from here to here on Juneteenth. We have a, a ride. I just, like, just people having different things okay. on Juneteenth. Right, right. right. And Activities. I'm like... I just want to celebrate, like cookout, fireworks, right? Like Good vibes. tell stories, yeah, yeah. eat food, like that. I want to have like a full celebration, right? right? Because on July 4th, we don't walk or go nowhere. On mm. on, on Christmas, we don't do that. Columbus, Thanksgiving, right, we right. don't do Columbus Day. We, I just want to celebrate on Juneteenth. Celebrate so, life, celebrate being black in America as opposed to necessarily making it like something political or yeah. And, and yeah okay i see what you're saying so, and i think my goal is for since i'm gonna be out the state this year to celebrate there and see how it is right. and then this upcoming year like next year 2022 probably actually host a celebration in some way shape or form for people right in the backyard baby do it up yeah no see <laughs> i would i'd love to do that but some people don't know how to, know how to act and yeah. i don't want to kick nobody out the house i feel you dr j i feel you <laughs> So yeah, man. I mean, going going off of that, um, let, let's let's get right into it. So, we in twenty twenty one reached the hundred year anniversary of the Tulsa race uh, massacre. I don't yes. even want to call it a race riot, the race massacre. So the Tulsa race massacre took place over May thirty first, nineteen twenty one, and June first, nineteen twenty one. So here we are, hundred years later, and it's it's interesting. I always put Tulsa and Rosewood. As Rosewood, Florida, they mm-hmm. had the movie Rosewood too. Um, as things I learned about uh, as a kid uh, through my mom, but never really wasn't really discussed much in history in in school. Um, Rosewood did have the movie, but there was never really a production about Tulsa. Then, as I got older, I realized that Tulsa was what they were referring to as Black Wall Street. Although some black historians have said that uh, Wilmington, North Carolina, had a Black Wall Street. Like basically, there were multiple places right. in the South that had strong economic bases, but I guess Tulsa was one of the highly revered ones. So, 
it was great to see here in the 100th anniversary. You had some major production houses. Shout out Russell Westbrook. His team got behind the History Channel one. I think LeBron's team was behind another one. There was one on PBS. But there were nationally broadcasted specials. There was a lot of content, too. NPR, New York Times, The Daily. I felt like a lot of media outlets um, made sure that they had at least one special whatever their normal programming episodes is, where they discussed Tulsa and, and the 100 years later. So, you know, just wanted to really break it down historically, uh, discuss with you the future, the trajectory of, of, of where things can go for not only people in that region of Tulsa, but just black Americans going forward um, and just analyzing what even what even got there, how they even got to uh, how they even got to that situation, because one of the things that I found real interesting was that one of the things that the black folks in Tulsa had really feared in Greenwood, um, what they really feared was when Oklahoma became a state. So right now you have a lot of debate going on with critical race theory, right? Whether it needs to be in schools, whether it shouldn't be in schools, this, this, that. And it's almost like there's this um, victimhood idea um, on, on a lot of white America that when you study critical race theory, it kind of promotes this idea that white people are just inherently racist, all of them. And I don't really feel like that's what critical race theory um, sets out to do. It just kind of puts a little bit more accountability, more transparency into history and knowledge of facts. But, you know, I think even they asked VP Harris this question and she said, no, she doesn't think that America is still a racist country. Uh, I don't know if they asked her, did, does it have racist roots or not? But she said she doesn't think it is currently. But you can't deny the, the roots of it. The, the, the racism in the roots of the country so much so these black folks uh spread out from places like georgia other southern states and they went out to what was considered indian territory to get under to get away from up under the grip of the of of, of the jim crow south at the time right so being in a territory was safer than being in a u.s recognized state being mm -hmm. under the constitution just goes to show you that you know when we speak about, you know, ideas of patriotism and 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 the roots of the flag and the constitution, we've been trying to escape, you know, from under that grasp for quite some time. Although, you know, uh, what they call foundational black Americans have been very integral in the growth of this country. A lot of our um, success and peace of mind has come from escaping the, the, the grip of the country. So I thought that was very interesting because... Um, Part of the reason why uh, Greenwood was even able to come into prominence was the years that they were kind of left alone because it was a territory. Because Absolutely. it was a territory, they were able to start to have some infrastructure. It's when Oklahoma actually becomes a state that things start to switch up. And that's when you kind of see, well, now that Oklahoma becomes a state, what comes along with it? The good old culture of the South. Segregation laws, this, this, that, well, everything. America in general, right? Not just the South, but, but yeah. Just to, just to go to show you how integral, how 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 much that pair of American racism at the time went in. As soon as Oklahoma becomes ratified in an actual state, the whole culture of Oklahoma shifts because now it's no longer Indian territory territory. Now it's a Southern American state, and that culture came right into it. Um, so. The black, the black Tulsans, the, the, those who live in Greenwood, continue to have their various businesses. They have banks. They even had, um, I think, they, did, they, did they have a plane hanger? I think they might have had one plane hanger. Um, but this was considered Black Wall Street because there was 
a high amount of black wealth. It was a black um, community. You know, um, a lot of times I remember in Poweronomics, Dr. Claude Anderson said, we don't really have black communities. We have black neighborhoods. And the difference is, is that a black neighborhood is a place where black people live. A black community is a place where you have black schools, black banks, grocery stores, hospital, the different things that make up the infrastructure that could allow people to do business and commerce with one another. So, you know, this was highly regarded at, at the time as a strong black community. And so even leading, even leading up to that, what I want to discuss with you is the economic jealousy, because one of the things that is always interesting to me when you analyze something like Tulsa, when you analyze something like Rosewood, I always, I always wonder back in those times what did a lot of white Americans really want, right? Because they didn't want integration. And I, I, I okay, like, that's fine. You know, I'm not even going to debate that. You don't, you don't want to integrate. But then you also have an issue with black Americans living isolated amongst themselves, being successful amongst themselves because you're not a part of it. So it's almost like the only thing that you do want is to control and oppress because you don't, you don't want to integrate. You don't, you don't want blacks living amongst you but you also don't want blacks being successful on their own right so it's like which which is it's like kind of it's kind of basically like like a relationship you're saying like yeah i I don't want to be with you but i also don't want you to go out and be happy with someone else you know like it's 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 just toxic It's, it's it's crazy mindset so um just wanted to pick your thoughts on that because that's really what even starts to breed the feeling of animosity you know you have the uh red summer of 1919 where, you know, even W.B. Du Bois uh, had he even kind of subscribed to this notion of like black people. If, if we go out to World War One and we prove our patriotism, maybe things will change for us. And I always found that as um, a, a, ver- a very interesting take, because we're, we're always the only group that for some reason we have to prove our patriotism when this nation was founded on our backs. And we've actually been in every single war that's been fought on American soil from even pre-independence, pre-revolutionary war, right? Any battle that's been fought on American soil, we've been a part of. Um, but that was, that, that, was the, um, that was the idea of the time. And then a lot of the black veterans came home from World War One, and there was animosity. That's what led to the Red Summer of 1919. And the Red Summer of 1919 wasn't even only in southern states. It was in Chicago, it was in New York, it was in Philadelphia. But there was now this fear of black men who went to Europe, who saw Europe, who saw how those societies are, who now have been professionally trained with arms, now could bear arms themselves. And this kind of speaks into this fear mindset of black elevation and who does it threaten more? It threatens poor whites the most because now without this idea of race being um, playing, playing into playing into a hierarchy, what do they really have? If now we're getting jobs, now we're working in factories and things of that nature. So just wanted to pick your brain on that because that's that's even the climate, right? You post World War One, you have black vets coming home and. You know, even if you look at what took place recently with Colin Kaepernick and, oh, that's disrespecting the troops, this, this, that. But how enraged white Americans were to see black vets coming home in their regalia, in their uh, in their uniforms, their bearing arms, this, this, that. Um, you know, the idea was we should fight for our patriotism. But when we did that, we came home. It almost struck fear to a lot of white America that, oh, wow, like 
They've gone overseas and now they're going to want more rights and they're not going to settle for certain things. And now they're armed and this, this, that. And when you have communities like like Greenwood, like Black Wall Street, and we're thriving, we're doing business amongst ourselves, a large feeling of animosity and hatred started to really grow. And so it's, that's a lot to unpack. And I feel a couple of different ways. I feel like Tulsa was... It was one of those places where, and it, the crazy thing about it, it wasn't the entire city. Like people make it sound like the entire town of Tulsa was just right. it was completely green. controlled and ran right. by blacks. Greenwood. They specific. just had their specific section right. of this city. Yep. Right. And so you have Greenwood and you were able to run the stores, we're able to run the banks. And what is the significance behind that? The significance is when a black business wants to expand, a black mom and dad wants to buy a house, they know the banker through some type of right. way, shape, or form. They have a relationship with them. An actual relationship, yep. Now you can vouch for more than just your credit score. You can vouch on their merit because their you character. know them, the kind of business that they yep. have. You can invest in them. The bank can make money and this person could expand their dream or obtain their dream. Right, right. And it gives us power. It gives us a safe space. And you have a history of America where... They want things to grow their way, meaning white America, for the most part, wants things to grow their way inside their country. And if you look at it outside of their country as well. Oh, yeah. Right. When you when, when you, you look at different you like know, we love snowfall foreign, yep. and a big part of snowfall was them not wanting, quote unquote, communism to spread. So they was OK with sending 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 um, guns to places, to sending missiles, yep. sending, right? But, and it was more than just Nicaragua. We've right. done it in several countries, yep. right? So you look at it and it's happening in our own country and like we're, almost, we're feared exactly the same way those other countries are feared, meaning we as black Americans was feared the same way. Okay. So when people talk about critical race theory and yeah, I may not agree with the extremes that critical race theory goes to, right? But the notion of this being a racist country and what happens a lot of time is people hide behind the system, meaning they go, well, we're not racist no more. Black people can do whatever they want. Right. And I'm and I sit up there. I'm like, yeah, but you already built this whole entire system that now we have to sit here and fight. Right. And all you do is you uplift a few people that come out of the system. Right. Right. Like and you like, yo, well, look at JJ. JJ was able to make it. That shouldn't be a problem. Right. Like you should be able to make it. And I think a person that does a good job at this of highlighting those few individuals as a black person is Stephen A. Smith. Mm. Like he's always like, yeah, but you should have your own merit and listen to them. And I often tell people, I'm like, yo, check this out. If I knew 20 people that I grew up with right. and I'm the only one I went to college, that's a 5% success rate, right? right? You telling me uh, everybody can be like me, but 95% of the people wasn't. If I give you anything that only works 5% of the time, would you take that? Would that Our be good? Gods, no. Absolutely not, right? So you create this system, and if people need me to connect the dots of what I mean by creating a system, we have black banks in, in Black Wall Street and yep. Greenwood, right? You take away the black banks. How many black-owned banks do you have now across the country? Well, we've been here for how many years, right? right? You also think about uh, the Apple movie that we watched. With the Banker. The Banker, yeah. right? Them wanting to own their own bank. How much of a problem it became. You can own all the business you want. You can't own the bank that's right. going to finance it. You can't have to own an actual financial institution. Right? So that creates too much power. Can't do that. They're sending black people to jail just for buying a bank. Right. Right? So 
you look at some of these things and you, you look at the effect that it's had and people think that, oh, it's the past. It happened 60 years ago. No, it's played a major role. Look, look at post-World War II when you start introducing things like FHA and this and that. That built the whole middle class of America yes. going into the 60s. And we was totally boxed out sideline of that whole move. That's, that's really where redlining starts to get rampant and this whole idea of clauses in mortgages that certain properties cannot even be sold to black people, whether they have the credit or the money for it or not. And this is really what built middle-class America, post-World War II, the, um, the whole modification of, of, of the mortgage, of the mortgage system. That totally catapulted so many Americans into working class, into this whole middle-class idea. So it's, it's so you, like you have those problems, and for me, it's, it's a continuation of connecting the dots from what happened in Tulsa, right? Like, and you think about what was Tulsa caused over? Right, like I, right. people talk about it, right, right. But the actual cause of it was a white woman saying a black man raped her or said something to her, right? Like they got right. to the elevator, yeah, they got to the elevator, and, and something happened, and she says, "Oh, this black man sexually molested me." However, you want to quote it, right, right. right. And you say, "Oh, but those was years ago." You draw a direct line to Emmett Till, right? Like same kind of situation. Mm -hmm. Black boy whistles at a white girl, right? You continue drawing that same line up into athletes, black men in America that still exists to this day right. of having to constantly be conscious of the way you interact mm -hmm. and carry yourself. We spoke about it earlier. The energy you give off, your tone of voice. Right. Like, and, and it's, it's one of those like, yo, being checked because you they burned the whole town. When you did this, right? Like when somebody like you did this, right? They strung up a whole little child when they did this. Um, so for me, like that's that's the biggest thing I think about when I think about what happened with Tulsa, the effects of it. I think about how crazy it is that the town pretty much forced them to be quiet. Like you can't talk about right. it; you got to be quiet. But also, that still exists to this day, and which is why I'm talking about a system. How many times something has happened? In the system, people have been told you got to be quiet. You can't talk about it, right? Tuskegee experiment. You have um, think about what was going on in Flint before they really pulled the hat on mm -hmm. it. This is things affecting Black people. Right. Um, certain things that happen in healthcare, things that being affecting Black people is always keep it quiet. And if you don't keep it quiet, we're going to force you to pay repercussions for this. Right. right? There's going to be repercussions for it, and it just it continuously happened, and that's why. We celebrate, um, not celebrate, but we highlight things like Tulsa for 100 years because we know it still goes on. It's still that system that we're trying to combat. What I also found interesting, too, even just going back to the military aspect, the Russell Westbrook documentary on the History Channel did a real good job at showing, okay, so they have the guy, his name was Dick Rowland. He was the, he was a shoeshine boy, um, and he went to go use a restroom that allowed for colored people to use the restroom and it was in that elevator in that building that's where the incident takes place so he's um and, th and this goes back to what i was mentioning before of oklahoma becoming a state and now the whole culture of the different towns in oklahoma Shit. changing compared to when it was a territory so now he's in the jailhouse and they're calling for good old you know white american justice at that time a lynching right a pick and um, I picked that. Yeah, we could talk about the breakdown of that word too. But um, you know, some black World War One veterans at the time go down, march down in their regalia, uh, bearing arms to make sure that he's gonna get 
you know, at least even though it, it's never usually at that time, just due process. Hopefully he's going to get arraigned and there's going to be due process and they're not just going to sneak him out through the back and, and actually lynch him. And it was from one thing the documentary gave a good job at showing insight to, as you said, what even caused it outside of the economic jealousy also was when they saw this group of black men come down wearing, you know, um, U.S. Army regalia bearing arms. There was a level of rage that took over the white people of Tulsa who were there like, I can't believe this. Like, how dare you? You know? And and that's the funny thing when I go back even thinking about that whole idea of like, yeah, if you go fight for your country, you know, um, it, it, it will show your level of patriotism. But let the record state how how much fear that advancement we had made, the fact that, you know, World War One, that's where you first saw a large number of black Americans enlisted. And, um, you know, some came back decorated with medals, despite the segregation that was in the armed forces at the time. And. Apparently, that's really when the tension started to build up. When they saw these World War One vets come down to protect Dick Rowland, that's really when you know it, it it started to get like it was it was it was like the kettle started boiling. And then, sure enough, things ran out, and that's when this, the massacre took off. Right, all hell broke loose, and 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 you and you go from there. So that's where I go back to that economic jealousy. Where I was like, well, what do you? Here's here's the two questions I really I pose for you because the thing that it made me think is that uh what what did white America really want for the longest time they didn't want integration but also they got jealous or fearful of us doing our own thing right without them and then as you mentioned how that affects even the present day one could argue and I remember we even spoke about it when we had the episode with Brown distant relatives and we were talking about the specific African American trauma experience one could argue when you have incidents like Tulsa, like Rosewood, all these different examples of black prominence and almost you disciplined, traumatized for your prominence. That could also speak to a culture that doesn't even strive for those things anymore because the trauma is there of the last time someone tried to uh, own a bank, own this business, this, this, that, you know, maybe we shouldn't even delve into that. We shouldn't even go that route because it's going to bring more harm than good to us you know when you think about the ideas of that that also stunts and hinders the growth of black america you know these racial massacres that took place in some of our most successful um successful communities you know i forgot the name of the 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 gentleman that had owned one of the big hotels in tulsa um in greenwood specifically and they were mentioning had he continued and been able to keep duplicating what he did in Greenwood, he, he could have maybe even been as big as modern day Hilton now, mm-hmm. you know, with what he had going on. J.B. Stratford, J.B. Stratford, he had owned the, uh, the hotel that was in Greenwood. So when you look at the destruction of, you know, you got to think about models. If every time we have a model for something, it gets destroyed. There's no example for the, for the next generation to look at, inherit, and say, okay, now we could duplicate it here. We could take it to the next city and do that. If anything, the model is the ashes that's left. And it's like, yeah, don't do that. Don't be too ambitious because you know how, how white you get when you start doing this stuff, you know? And th- so this is my take on it. First, I'm going to talk with just like my personal history as an African-American right. in this country. So my dad was in the armed forces. Granddad's was in the armed forces. Uh, granddad's brothers was in the armed forces. Great grandfather armed forces. So I'm not sure if I ever told you this. When I graduated from 
um, being with my masters, I almost signed up. Meaning like I went to the Air Force Academy, I sat down, I spoke to them, I did all of this. This is 2009, right? Like summer, fall, 2009, very beginning of 2010. And for me, it was this feeling of every other part of me had, every other part of my my lineage had served, Mm. right? And when it got down to like my group of men, we weren't going to serve, Right. And I had one cousin who ended up going away and he ended up doing like four years. But when he was about to reenlist, he was uh, honorably discharged. Right. Just funny enough, stationed in Oklahoma. Right. Interesting. Was doing real well. Had a white drill sergeant that put hands on him and he beat up his drill sergeant. Right. So he ended up coming home. So I'm thinking, damn, like we the men and we not, we're going to be the first ones that don't serve. Like, right. is that what we about? So I'm like, I should sign up. Right. So I went, I go down and it was two problems. Right. So first problem was I went to Air Force Academy. I was like, yo, look, I know I'm a nurse practitioner. I want to work. I get all of that. I do four years. But I want to be able to also ascertain to fly planes one day. Like I want to be able to be a pilot. Okay. Right. So how can I go about it? And she was like, you'll never be able to be a pilot. It's like, yeah, what? Like, what do you mean? She's like, oh, that's the officer thing. How, so how do I get on that path so I can actually right. fly planes? Actual At least career. give me a yeah. fighting chance. Like, I right. want to fly fighter planes. So that was one. So then I was like, eventually I was like, you know what? Let me call my dad and just see how he feels about it, right? Because, you know, my grandfathers are dead. Great uncles are gone. Another one of them doesn't talk about his army experience. Um, so I was like, you know what? Let me ask. Um, so I called my dad up to ask him. I'm like, yo, dad, pops. You think I should, I was thinking about joining the Air Force. And he's like, for what? And I was like, everybody else did it, right? Like, we mm-hmm. got four generations that's done it. You're seeing it as like a right side, passage almost. Side, right? Like yeah. yeah. And he like, when I did it, it was because that was all we can do right. to get good mm-hmm. paying jobs. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, post-slavery, it was like blacks that had money and blacks that didn't have money. Right. And the way that you had to come up and scramble and do certain things. And he was like, and I went in pretty much because we had your sister young and I needed a job. And that was supposed to be the best quote unquote job. But then when you look at his experience and my dad has um, two great friends from the uncle. Right. That we also I'm from this two great friends from the service that we also call uncles. Right. Um, One actually went on to become my real uncle because he married my dad's um, younger sister. And they had my cousin Gina, my uncle Purvis. Uh, and then my other one was my uncle Harper, which is the reason why we're going to Memphis. And it was like, nah, we was forced to be the cooks and clean. There wasn't no real, like we didn't have no real chance of advancement right. to do this. And this is in the 80s. Kind of makes me think about Red Tails. Right? You like know, this is when they was fighting to, to do it, get right? a little but action like, to show that like, yo, we, we're skilled at this. We know what we're yeah. But Rail Tales was that's back in the world wars. Right, right, I'm right. talking about that. Even recently. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. you just sign up for the army and this is what you you're automatically relegated to be a cook, right, right. a cleaner. Like still in the eighties, this is what you was going through. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, absolutely not. This is it's not I'm not gonna do it. Right? Because it was also it was also him telling me, Let me tell you how your grandfather was treated. Right. Ask your mom how her father was treated when he came home from the Marines. Um, Let me tell you how I was like you get all these different stories. Right. Like he's like, ask Uncle Purvis how he was treated. Right. And like you hear about these different stories. And of course, I got some like I got a a cousin that's more like a he's an uncle in terms of age wise. Eric, who he retired from the Air Force. Right. And like and he landed pretty good out there in North Carolina. But that's one out of how many that goes back to that percentage thing that I'm looking at. So. 
you have all of that. And when you talk about us trying to have a sense of pride and build up the country in the way we treat it. Um, and then you talk about the fear that it leaves in your head, right? Because it's constantly, yo, do you do this? Because if you make a mistake, you know what happens. Like, you know where, where, where it's going to go, right? So you start trying to meticulously and, and very strategically map out your movements of how you can get somewhere, right? And like, for me specifically, it's like, all right, so I got all of this trauma of being an African-American passed down from generation to generation. How do I build? Because all of our generations get to a point where you can't go no further, mm. right? Like, for, like my, for my grandparents, especially like my grandmothers, like they came up to the North. And at some point it was like, you know, they have kids, they didn't come for money. This is all they can do. For their kids, right? Like they're going to get a good city job right. that can be able to be stable in the projects. However, we need to get you going, right? And then came my mom's generation, right? And then my mom is on the back of Jim Crow. And then came like my generation. It's like, all right, we got to do this, right? And like I'm getting to the point where I'm close to going, if I can sacrifice enough, I no longer have to live like, my kids don't have to live on my legacy. Right, right. They can live whatever they want. And I think what happens when you constantly, to answer your question, when you constantly kill somebody's plans for getting too far up, you end up leaving a scar to where they're constantly pushing their legacy on mm. to the next generation because somebody has to make it right, for right. all of us, right? Like, somebody has to fix it. And I think as I was actually watching In the Heights um, the new last just night. came out, yeah. Right? And one of the things was the father had his daughter go to Stanford and he was like, yo, you better than me. You got to make it. And she was like, I don't want your legacy. And for me in my head, the first thing I said was, that's a Gen Z statement, right? Like it's like my generation is, yo, what your parents said that you had to carry on when they came to family and all of that, you have to because that's the very least that you can do right. for what they sacrifice. And in my head, I'm like, I don't want my daughter to ever have to feel that way. Right. So you think about all the traumas that's getting passed down, passed down, passed down. And it's like, how do I get us there and not make somebody else have to live out the legacy? That's deep, man. And I think the education of it and the, like I said, all these different media outlets that did something about it um, and, and had some kind of episode highlighting the history of it is great. And it's funny because there was even backlash about these programs, you know. Not this is not even critical race theory, and you had a lot of folks, white America, who was like, "Why are we showing this on the History Channel?" Like, like it's, it's a historical <laughs> fact. Like, you know what I mean, like, why, why are they, we not? We we haven't all this time. It's a hundred years later, and it's the first time there's national national uh, televised documentaries on this incident. But even with that, it still caused out, outrage that it's being discussed. Kind of saying like, uh, like it's, it's almost like this victim thing. Like, you know. America's in a place of healing right now. Why are we pushing race? Like, well, when else? When else? When else still, are we going to discuss it? It still exists. Because it still exists, and that's what people don't understand. Like, it still exists. Like, and they, and you know what I hate, right? Like, I hate when black people allow themselves to be used to defend people that have Who are a problem. Of that mindset. That's like, oh, it's mm. victimhood. Yo, let's put this black people like it's this. It's this black man, like Takiti or Takiti, some I can't think of his name, and it's probably good because I won't give him no promotion. But he's on TikTok, and I have a person that I follow that repeatedly posts him, right? Just so they can be like, this is this black person that has a problem with saying that there's racism in America. Even if one, two, three, even if a 
thousand black people don't feel the effects of racism. Right. Doesn't mean that the other large majority of us aren't feeling the effects. Right. Right. And I'm like, you're allowing yourself to be used and the people using you don't even like you. Right. Because there's no way I could ever use a white woman to argue about, oh, men and women get equal treatment and this is fine. And knowing that men and women don't get equal treatment and say that I still like this white woman that I'm I'm using to say this. Right. Like I'm like, yo, you're allowing yourself to get used to discredit your people. Right. Like go do some history. Go find out. Go like go do some like go look at some statistics. Right, go go look at other people's shoes, mm-hmm. and it's just it's it's disheartening when I see that over and over again. I'm like, stop allowing yourself to be used, please. That goes perfect segue into the last thing that I was pondering too on this topic. It's great for the nation. It's great for us. Um, but here's 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 the thing. Okay, so all of the all of the different episodes and media that was covered on this incident was great. Absolutely, it's insightful. Um, people learned a lot. It talks about a historical event that was swept under the rug for far too long. Closing thought going forward now, what are, I mean, you know, Joe Biden acknowledged it. I heard of some things in the works, but we'll, we'll see what really pans out of that. Not even just Tulsa alone, but what are some of the things that are needed to help remedy some of this systemic violence that took place that we're not even going to talk about it from a humanitarian aspect. We're just talking about that economically crippled us, right? We're trying to analyze the black American plight right now from an economic standpoint. And here's an example of a successful economic community we had that was destroyed over a race incident. 2021, here we are. We're now revisiting a lot of stuff 100 years later. What are some of the things that could be done um, on a federal level to help remedy um the current economic situation. So I think uh, strategic partnerships in the sense that, so let's go with grants. It's a lot of grants, millions and millions of grants that right. give out, right? So millions and millions of dollars in grants that are being given out. And I spoke at this conference called Peak Conference about when you give out grant money to help a specific problem in the neighborhood, a lot of times what ends up happening is that a white organization or organization from outside the neighborhood gets the grant they go find the people that are actually doing the work in the neighborhood, right. pay them pennies on a dollar for them to do it. The grant money runs out and this organization pulls out. Mm. Right. So there's no consistency. There's no longevity. Right. So when you when you are giving out the grant money, find these organizations directly in the neighborhoods that's going to be there all the time. They're there regardless. Right. So you're helping bridge longevity. When they don't have certain positions like a grant writer, somebody that can do management for them, help train them, bring them in, train them about how to do sustainability and then put them back in the neighborhood so they can do it. Us as black people have to do a good job of not just donating our time because a lot of stuff that we do, we can get paid for and we should be getting paid for. Right. So um, but putting ourselves out there to help our communities to finance certain projects, to back certain projects, to hold other organizations accountable because anytime you have this kind of money coming in, you're going to get scammers that come in and try to profit off Absolutely. of it. That's the way the game works. So we have to be diligent in making sure that people don't come in and scam the system that we are building because it's still a capitalistic society. People are here to make money, right? So while we are making money and and putting infrastructure into place, mm. people are doing that. We need grants to build our own banks, right? I was going to ask you that. Like what, like, what about some access things? Like, particular particular types of loans 
designated to black, for black America yeah, so at I, a particular interest rate for certain amount of businesses in this field, certain amount of businesses in that field, this for tech, this for construction, you know. We need that. We need reparations, right? And reparations can't just be, oh, for this city and your ancestors, because a lot of us have been displaced. Right, right. right? And need reparations from a federal government level of, you know what? We promised y'all y'all 40 acres and a mule and a mule. We can't give y'all y'all 40 acres and a mule, but we'll give you this entire town of these cities for y'all to have to build up. We'll put money into it. And the thing that the government has, the white people have not realized and what they should have. If they made friends of black people, right? They could have then used that friendship of black people. They could have leveraged that against every other immigrant group that's in America. So now you're in oh, a they, crisis. They, they actually did the reverse. Exactly. They, they, they leveraged and propagated every immigrant group that's come and put them over black Americans who have been here from the beginning. The groups <laughs> that can closely assimilate based on yep, whitening. Exactly. Yeah, right. Yep, so yep. they didn't do it. And it's been a constant struggle and fight. Mm -hmm. Right. But if you would have took the black people that were slaves and you said, y'all are going to be our friends and we're going to empower you and it's going to be y'all and us against everybody else. Right. What you would have then had was a bunch of black people not knowing any better, but saying, look, if you act right, they'll bring you in because we would have been right some kind of model. In. Interest, yeah. And you, they never did that. And in my head, I'm like, yo, if you're going to be devilistic, that would have been the way to go. Some actual right? strategy. And what's, that's happening, take. what's happening now is that there's a real push for equity, right? Like the new word, diversity, equity, inclusion, not the new word, the hot word. So everybody's talking about that. So now we're building our own, right? Like there's more black millionaires than before, even though the wealth gap is crazy. Right. But as we're building our own, if we start connecting the dots, we're going to have a strong community. Atlanta is a great example of that. So little in the suburbs around Atlanta and not just really being the black Mecca of America. Then you have other small black towns like um, Charlotte, which is doing very well, mm -hmm. right? And then if a town like Detroit could ever get it on the up and up, where they're like 90% of the population, right. then you really start seeing more black centers really thrive, thrive, and thrive. But I mean, 100 years later, it's been great to see all the uh, media coverage that's out there. You know, the knowledge is good, but we're going to keep talking about this topic on forthcoming episodes because I really want to see, all right, where there's gonna have to be a disruption in the way things are done and it's at the point now where we've gone through a couple different administrations the obama administration clint we've we've seen and it's really time for us to figure out how we can at least get some kind of economic stake and stronghold in this country you know i think i think it's coming it's not gonna be with kamala and biden but I think the tide changes. And that's mm. what people don't realize. Like, okay. I'm, I'm playing the long game of some stuff we need right now. Right. But some more impactful stuff is going to keep coming down the line. Right. So that we got to keep pushing for these things. Turning Georgia blue. Right. Eventually, maybe even turning Texas blue. Right. But certain things we got to keep pushing and changing and work our way. Or from the block to the boardroom, episode 17, Dr. Absolutely. J. Let's not make 18 take as long. Nah, I won't trust. We'll be back real soon. We'll be um, back, man. We're turning the sum up with y'all with this great content. Peace. Absolutely. Block to the boardroom.